Omaha compare? Um, well, it's got a really fascinating history. Um, and I was really surprised that a lot of people don't seem to know about it. Uh, and there are some people that are really hardcore into the history of Omaha and know a lot about it and are really passionate about it. And to me, that's really what creates a sense of place and makes you really love where you're from is if you have that, that tie to its history. You know, these houses don't really belong to us, you know? It's like, you know, you go down to the courthouse and go to the assessor's office and your name's on the teat, but, you know, they belong to the people before us and they're gonna belong to the people after us. So it's, it's kind of like part of our community and telling the story of our community. Hi, welcome back to Reader Radio. My name is Chris Bowling. What you just heard is a bit from my interview with Ryan Reed, who runs the Instagram account East of 72nd, where he takes a picture of Omaha's buildings and tells his followers about their history. I first found out about Ryan when he was advocating to save some buildings in Omaha's Gold Coast neighborhood near Blackstone. The city wanted to tear down these buildings to help a developer build the new massive apartment complex, but Ryan and others fought back, saying these were historically significant buildings, providing affordable housing inside sturdy brick exteriors with views facing down Dodge Street toward downtown. But the city went ahead and approved the project anyway. It feels like these stories are becoming more and more common these days. The city is changing with an emphasis being placed on rebuilding the urban core, and there's an unfathomable amount of money on the table to make that happen. What I wanted to talk to Ryan about is how he feels about all this change. Is Omaha doing enough to protect their existing architecture, or is it even worth saving? We got into all of that and more as he drove me around the city on his lunch hour. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to the story. Yeah, because I think I just, uh, yeah, recently I, I think I've just kind of gotten bent out of shape with what, with how things are going in the city and probably being more vocal than I need to. But it's just like, it's, it's a personal account, so. Mm-hmm, yeah. I feel like I can say whatever I want. Yeah, right. Well, I guess just, why don't you just start off by telling me like a little bit about yourself. So you're not originally from Omaha. Like, how did you, how'd you end up here and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, well, I moved here for a job in, 2020, in 2012, excuse me. And I grew up in southern Missouri. That's where I was born and raised. Um, and then I went to university and at the University of Missouri. Worked in elementary education for about three years, um, which is probably the best birth control in the world. <laughs> and uh, then got into historic preservation. I went to the Savannah College of Art and Design, got an MFA in historic preservation and moved back to St. Louis where I lived for about 10 years and really cut my preservation teeth there. Uh, first working in advocacy and doing some government work, which is basically reviewing the architectural significance of uh, buildings and neighborhoods. And living in St. Louis, that's a place that is just steeped in its own history and everybody knows its history. You know, you could talk to a guy that works in IT, you know, the plumber that comes to your house, a person that owns a brewery, they seem to know the history of their house, the year it was built, um, people that live there, uh, interesting things that happened in the neighborhood. And it was really great. It's like people just really embrace their history, the good and the bad history. And so when I moved to Omaha in 2012, I didn't really 
know anything about Omaha. I'd never been here before. I didn't know anything about Nebraska. And so I created this Instagram page, East of 72nd, just to force myself to go out and learn about Omaha and you know see the different neighborhoods, try to delve into its history. And also as a way to kind of share with my friends back home, like, this is Omaha, there is history here. Because honestly, they gave me a hard time about moving here. Because yeah, why, why, why did you move? Just because it was a good job? Or? Yeah, it was a good job. It was a job with the National Park Service. Mm. And so that's what brought me out here. Because um, there's a lot of great preservation happening in St. Louis. There's just not a whole lot of jobs. And preservation jobs are really hard to find. Um, and so if you find one, you basically got to move <laughs> for it. So, yeah. how, Just to step back a second, sure. like, how did you get interested in, like, you know, this, like, the kind of like work that you do like why I think it started from like how I was raised and where I was raised I grew up in southern Missouri in Phelps County Missouri and my family's lived there for about 190 years um, so weekends were basically driving around dirt roads and visiting cemeteries and hearing about all these people that were buried there that I'm related to and seeing the house where my grandma was born. And so it, it gave me a real strong tie to my own personal history. But, um, you know, it also gave me a real strong sense of place, too. Because you know, Rolla, Missouri is still an incredibly important place to me, even though the places I'm tied to aren't really historically significant. They're significant to me. And so I think that's really what piqued my interest in history, old buildings, historical. How did you, like, did you just know, like, east of 72nd, that was, like, where more of, like, the historical architecture was? Because, I mean, it's kind of an interesting thing because maybe you didn't know it at the time, but, like, I mean, I feel like 72nd is that real dividing line between, like, mm -hmm. east and west Omaha. People are, like, you know, they just feel like the two sides of the city are incongruous and all this other yeah. stuff. And I just was curious where the name uh, idea came from. Well, I overheard my neighbors talking about it. Um, they're older than me, um, you know, they're probably in their 60s, and I heard them talking about East and West as 72nd, and back in St. Louis, there was East and West of Skinker, um, which is basically the separation between the city and the county, and so I was like, oh, they do that here, and so I started asking about it, and they were like, yeah, it's basically the city and the suburb dividing line, and they're like, there's no actual physical boundary, but people talk about 72nd being that, that boundary between the city and suburbia. This is considered like the Gold Coast neighborhood, yep. right? Mm -hmm. So is there a reason that just because I asked you to drive me around and show me things that we're not really <laughs> talking about it. So yeah. like why are we are we is why are we driving around this neighborhood? Uh well I started just going in this direction <laughs> to be honest with you. Okay. But it, you know it's it's a beautiful neighborhood with a lot of extant um, historic homes that still exist. And I think a, a lot of that reason is because you know, they're big, giant, old, grand homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think a lot of them have been split up into apartments. They've, they're, they're affordable places to live for a lot of folks, mm -hmm. um, which happens to a lot to these old, grand homes. You know, around the Great Depression, you start seeing them being split up into apartments so people can have other income mm -hmm. uh, that they can use. We were talking about, um, you know, the houses, the apartment 
buildings on 38th Ave and mm -hmm. Dodge Street. And that was, I mean, I was aware of your Instagram account and of you and everything, but I remember when that was coming out because I feel like you were kind of taking more of like an activist voice with that and trying to, yeah. and so I'm, I'm like, just tell me a little bit about like all of that, like your awareness of that situation, your awareness of those buildings, why you wanted to use your Instagram in that way, like all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've done it in the past for other places, um, like the Clue into Page building we were talking about earlier that was demoed about six or seven years ago, which is still an empty lot. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, you know, it's happened before in the past. Um, the buildings are listed on the National Register. They're, they're contributing resources to the historic district, which doesn't give any protection to the building, but it still shows that the buildings are important enough culturally and significantly yeah. to be placed on the uh, National Register. But, you know, I think it's just kind of, you already have these extant houses. They're being lived in, they're being used, they're not, you know, falling apart, um, and they just want to tear them down and build, you know, a massive complex of apartment buildings, which half the building is going to be parking lots um, and, and then you're also just kind of erasing that connection to history that you have the character that is Blackstone why people want to live in the neighborhood and it's also still an affordable place in Blackstone where people can live and so that's that that's I think that's what tripped my trigger on that is just that there's nothing wrong with these houses and people are living in them and you're just tearing them down so you can you know build something new there and I understand you know density is needed because we have a whole lot of empty lots and surface parking lots in the city that should be built upon um, but you know there's an empty lot just right up the street from it um, that could be used um, and so you know it's just like why it seems to me focus more on that rather than the extance used housing that we already have I guess I'm always curious, like, um, I don't know if you talk with friends, like, across, you know, the country, or if you have experiences from, like, St. Louis, for example, or other places, but, like, you know, is this just, like, normal, and, like, what happens everywhere, and there's always going to be the developers who want to tear stuff down, and there's always going to be people like yourself who, you know, want to tie yourself to the building and save it, like, <laughs> or is it, or is it, is it unique and different, different, depending on where you go? I mean, it's, it, it varies in degrees um, from place to place. Like I, I went to graduate school in Savannah, Georgia, and that place is extremely tied to its history. And it's realized that its history is an asset for it, um, and so they can use that for tourism, um, for their economy. Uh, St. Louis, in a way, too. I mean, St. Louis has their problems, of course. Um, but they've also realized, well, we got a ton of old buildings and this is an economic asset for us because um, it brings people in. You know, we have this huge building stock of uh, structures from the 1850s to the 1890s that a lot of other cities don't have. Um, and in my experience in Omaha, it's definitely kind of lower on the uh, uh, preservation ethic than I've experienced in other places. but. People are concerned about historic preservation here and do what they can to fight for it and speak out actively on demolitions that are happening, attending city council meetings, planning board, preservation board meetings. Um, you know, and there's a lot of good people in the city who work 
and historic preservation that are you know, trying to do the best that they can as well. But yeah. it, from my, from what I've seen, it's all about the community and how active the community is. Um, you know, because you can't just have one person going to all these meetings and saying, you know, the same thing over and over again. It really takes the entire community sending emails, making phone calls, showing up at meetings to really kind of push like, it. What is an instance of that that you've seen really work out like in the favor of people who want to see uh, like this historic architecture preserved? Of the spec building. So what is this building and, and like what is it? Where is it? I'll take you to it. Um, right, let's it's, go. it's right downtown. It was the... Uh, What's the performing arts place across the road from it near... The Holland? Yeah, the Holland. Mm -hmm. And they had plans in the works uh, a handful of years ago to demo the building. And I'm sorry, it's been a long time since I've thought about it. You're fine. But um, they wanted to demo the building and put some sort of uh, parking garage there, I believe. Um, and so the community got together and got really active about it. Sent emails to the board of Holland and... Um, basically told them, you know, this is an important row of buildings for us that we want to have retained. You know, we don't want to lose this when we have so few historic buildings downtown right now. I mean, you can see a handful here, but if you look at an old picture just from 50 years ago, 60 years ago of downtown Omaha, it's, it's vastly different than what it is now. You know, Omaha's great, and Omaha has a lot of great assets to it. Like, we're talking about the Holland, you know. The medical center, you know, what a wonderful asset that we have here. Mm -hmm. It's just working with those organizations to, you know, retain what we have and think of creative uses to for these old buildings so we can retain them and keep that tangible connection to our community history. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, and you know, I think preservation gets a bad rap for um, being anti-progress. You know, it's all about progress. Because there's a lot of historic buildings down here um, that have been, you know, reused. Like, you got Mercury down here. You know, that's a historic building mm -hmm. that was reused. Um, you know, it's... And here, this is this was a, uh, a recent project, the Hotel Deco. I mean, it's a great hotel. It's... It's, they've used this historic asset well. Yeah, you know it's and it's kind of interesting. Like I don't know, like what what makes people decide like when something is worth preserving and when something is worth tearing down. Because and I'm sure there's a lot that goes into that. But like let's take the Blackstone Hotel for example. Mm -hmm. So I think people characterize what's going on with Blackstone as a lot of like oh build it quick and fast. It, you know. I mean these are the people who don't like it. But like it looks <laughs> yeah. ugly. It's this contemporary faux chic architecture blah, blah 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 but then you also have like the blackstone hotel which i mean i don't really have anything to compare it to but mm -hmm. i mean it looks like amazing from the outside and inside oh, yeah. they seem like they did a really good job with it so it's mm -hmm. just how do you decide like what to keep and like what to get rid of well i think it's just up to the community what they want to keep i mean there's a national register of historic places which is you know purely honorific mm -hmm. but it's it's basically a list of properties that are important to that neighborhood, to that locality, to the state, to the nation. Um, but then in Omaha, you also have local landmarking, and that is a process through the city in which they can locally landmark places that are important to the city's history. 
Um, and so that, you know, those are more prominent buildings, like architecturally significant. They have a tie to an important person, some sort of tie to local or statewide history. Uh, but beyond that, you know, I think you have like great neighborhoods in North and South Omaha. You know, they may not be comprised of these architecturally amazing buildings, but as a whole, they're really important to the fabric of Omaha. Mm -hmm. And that's really when the community comes into play to say, okay, these buildings are important to us. These are the buildings that we want to save. Yeah. Kind of like what happened with the Spec building, which is here on oh, the left. Okay. It's this big um, cast iron front three-story building right here. Yeah, it's beautiful. And so the community rallied together and basically said, hey, Holland, we love you, but we do not want you to tear down this row of buildings. So what was over there in that, like, the empty lot right to our left? Uh, it was more buildings. And when that uh, Holland Center was constructed, um, they tore these buildings down for the space. And it's green space. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, that's what's crazy. So, like, you know, um, there's been a lot made about the old um, convention center. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, they tore that down, and it's still... And, I mean, okay. we, we drove yeah. through Midtown, and there's a lot of empty lots in Midtown and it just, I guess I don't really know even how to phrase it as a question. It just seems like, I just don't know if like I've been in other cities where that's like normal. Oh uh, yeah. It happens everywhere. Um, like I said, to one degree or another, not to sound like a broken record, but, right, sure. but, but it definitely happens. And you know, and I think that's why it's good to, like I was talking about local landmarking, local landmarking is designated by the city and you have to have the owner's permission to do it. Um, but it's, does set up hurdles that delay demolition. It doesn't fully stop demolition, but you have to do, you know, jump through certain hoops in order to get that demo permit. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, it kind of creates a, a barrier from people to want to demo buildings. You know, and I was talking about the Clarinda Page earlier, and that's what happened there. You know, they kept moving forward with it and eventually got what they want, but. You know, it was it was delayed for some time, mm -hmm. unfortunately, which is you know still an empty lot after what seven years now. Yeah, and so it's pretty simple to tear down a building. It costs thousands of dollars to do it, but you can tear down the building and just have a green space ready to build upon. But what does that do for the city? You know, it just becomes a giant trash collector. <laughs> you know, they're filled with garbage, and they're not they're not doing anything for the city they're not mm -hmm. adding to the economy they're not you know the tax is really low because there's not a building on it so it's just kind of sad to see that maybe all the planning wasn't in place and so now we just you know have a big empty spot I, you had mentioned earlier um you know some of like the community attention toward these kinds of issues. I was kind of curious, like, how have you seen that change in your time in Omaha? Like, have people become more passionate or less passionate, or like, how how has that changed? Um, it's it's kind of in waves. <laughs> like when I first got here, you know, you kind of saw it growing with um, groups like uh, Restoration Exchange Omaha. Um, and getting people really involved and looking for those connections between different organizations and how they can all work together. But now it's, it's, you start seeing other organizations that maybe not so focused on historic preservation, but they definitely have, um, creating a sense of space on their list, like noise Omaha, mm -hmm. um, noise, you know, the organization that exists. Um, they talk a lot about, you know, 
North Omaha and the community that's there and it exists, you know, it's, it's not historic preservation, but it's aspects of historic preservation. And yeah, it's just really great to see groups who are focusing on their community, um, on their neighborhoods, because um, that's kind of like the grassroots of the start of preservation, getting people interested in where they live, mm -hmm. giving back to their community. Um, and that's where it really all starts, because that's how you build that community, to go to uh, city council meetings and to, you know, call up their city council person and, you know, rattle yeah. cages pretty much. Yeah. Um, kind of like, I guess one reason I asked that is because, you know, there's lots of conversations happening around like development right now. I mean, mm -hmm. we're just down the street from the library, which is obviously, and I kind of want to ask you about that, but you know, I guess there gets, I, I've, I felt like I've, I hear this sense from people where they're just like, and it, it's not just preserving historic buildings. There's a lot of other things, but like we try and people don't listen. Yeah. And so I am kind of curious, you know, from your perspective, if you feel like, like, if you felt like that that sentiment has has been more valid lately or or not because i don't know that that's the kind of the one thing that i really wonder about because i do i feel like i see people try to rattle those cages and really speak out mm -hmm. and then nothing happens but maybe i'm cherry picking like you know these are really big high profile examples and i'm not thinking of like this or you know maybe like the house on the street that you know someone wants to tear down but the neighbors get together and say well, why don't you turn it into this or whatever so kind of a long way of asking that question but <laughs> yeah. yeah no i think you know uh, money is power and so if you have a lot of money um you can really sway decisions um that's unfortunate um because there's a lot of people that live in the city that have to live with those consequences and those changes that happen um you know, like we're talking about the Calendar Page, you know, Mutual of Omaha. They bought up all that property and uh, eventually tore all that down and there's still nothing there. And that's going on seven years now since since that occurred. Um, and now they're moving, <laughs> you yeah. know, right down here to this beautifully designed uh, HOK building, uh, architecture firm from St. Louis. Um, and, it, you know, I'm biased. I'm the child of a librarian. Um, one of the first things I did when I moved to Omaha was get a library card. A lot of the research I do for East of 72nd comes from resources at the library because mm. they have all the uh, newspapers digitized for the Omaha World Herald, and so I use that all the time. Um, they have Sanborn maps, which are fire insurance maps that you can use to date buildings, find mm. out materials of buildings. And so, you know, just to have it move to a temporary space, which is a 10-year lease, um, you know... A library is such an important asset to a city. It's just, it just kind of feels like it's being kind of a second thought <laughs> tossed aside. Yeah. For, you know, power and money, honestly, they can get what they want. When you work in preservation, you know, you get your wins like this, but you also have a ton of losses <laughs> before you mm -hmm. get to those wins. And it's just frustrating because, you know, in pretty much every city I've lived in, there's always some sort of preservation battle you know some sort of struggle like you're just beating your head against the wall for you know the same thing it sometimes it feels like a losing battle but you know you just got to keep things like this in your mind and be like it can happen yeah um, but it is it does get extremely frustrating I can imagine you know and, it, and it's like and it does get to a point where you're like is Omaha the right place for me you know is does this city really care about what the people think you know does you know, is my whole 
profession is on historic preservation. You know, it's it definitely has you know a lot of historic buildings, but I think it's it's more of an afterthought. You know, yeah. at times. What do you lose in the long term when you you know tear down these buildings? Well, a couple of things, like a sense of place. Like Omaha is unique. You know, it's unique from St. Louis. It's unique from Kansas City. And I've gotten the sense like Omaha is always kind of trying to be something else. Like maybe it kind of has a chip on its shoulder that it's not Kansas City or Denver. But, you know, it's just like you have all these great assets that you could use um, to really express the uniqueness of the city. You know, and, and maybe that's just me. Um, because when I first got here, you know, I met uh, a handful of people who are really who are from Omaha originally and are really interested in those unique aspects of Omaha. And so they took me around to all the really interesting places, like like hole-in-the-wall bars, like Josephine's, you know, the, the Elbow Room, the Fantan Club. You know, and those places are just like, it's Omaha. You know, it's just like the old, like, soaked-in-the-blood Omaha. And I think that's what you lose. You kind of lose that character. You lose... Um, that uniqueness of the city um, and you you lose that sense of place you know and another thing that um, getting into the environmental aspects of it is the embodied energy of buildings I mean you know uh, the spec building we're in front of right now it has a cast iron front but it's largely a masonry building and by embodied energy it means that the manpower the fuel the um, materials that had to be extracted from the earth are there in place you know you don't need to redo any of that but when you tear down a building you know you're losing all of that people had to go out machinery had to go out and extract all that clay from the soil and then all that clay had to be you know put in a truck put on a train and shipped to a, a brickyard and then it took a whole lot of energy and manpower to fire that clay into brick and then they had to ship it again, which is more fossil fuels for uh, trains, for trucks. And then it gets to the site, and then it's a bunch of manpower to put the building together. And when you tear that down, it's all gone. You know, it's a mm -hmm. huge waste, and it just goes into a landfill. Well, transitioning to maybe like a more positive topic. I mean, I did want to ask if you wanted to take me to like one or two spots while we have some time that like in your mind really stick out. Like as far as like your, like when you talk about doing that research and stuff, like when you're like, oh, like you find something, you're like, oh my God, like this is insane. I never would have expected this. Um, oh yeah, sure. Um, and yeah, while we're, while we're traveling there, if you want to like, so to go back to the Instagram account, so how did you start, like, identifying, like, how do you identify places, and how did you, like, start doing research? Um, well, I, if I just saw a building that I thought looked interesting, I would take a picture of it, mm -hmm. and then do research on it. And doing research on a building, it's just all about the resources that you have available. And luckily, the Omaha Public Library has amazing amount of resources that you can use if you get your library card. Um, and so basically, um, you get the address of the building, um, and then you can go to old city directories, which is basically like an old phone book. And starting around the turn of the 20th century, they start listing street addresses in the back of the book. And so you can go through that, try to find the address, and then you can find who lives there. 
and then you can keep going back until you can kind of figure out maybe when the place was built. Mm. Another thing to use are newspaper archives, which are extremely helpful. Because um, then you can find building permits, and then you can find the architect who designed the building, or the people who live there, or events that happened there, um, by going through the old newspaper. The, the tricky thing is, is the older the house, the more likely the address has changed, so the numerical address and the, and the, and the street name. And so then you have to start, you know, looking into maps, Sanborn maps, which I was telling you about, or old fire insurance maps. Um, and basically it was to look at what your insurance would be. Like if you lived in a house next to a gunpowder factory, you'd have high <laughs> insurance, you know? But it's a great resource because they're these uh, color maps and, you know, like red is brick, yellow is frame, blue is concrete. and you can use them in subsequent years to figure out when buildings were constructed. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of fun doing it. It's, it's the nerdiest thing in the world, but it's like how I relax <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> is no, doing I mean, research. Oh, I guess something I should ask you about is, um, like, what what have people's, like, reactions been like to, you know, your Instagram account? Like, you know, are people, like, super enamored and you're constantly getting DMs or is does nobody <laughs> care? Or, like, what, what is it like? No, I mean... People seem to like it. Um, you know, people reach out all the time. People will tell me stories about their places. Um, one popular thing that I started doing just because it was interesting to me is um, people telling me about haunted places and like their own experiences in their house and looking into that and see if there's anything connected to it. Mm. Um, well, so you've been like a ghost hunter? No, it's nothing like that. <laughs> it's just like uh, people will be like uh you know i've had this happen to me in my house and um you know like things move around or i hear people talking and so it's just like i just kind of research it to be mm -hmm. like is there something connected to that and sometimes there is it's, do you believe in ghosts I, I think to an extent yeah <laughs> i've never had anything happen to me but sure. um you know i like old stuff so i guess i gotta believe in ghosts what what i find interesting about not just you there's a couple other people who do similar type things mm -hmm. is that it's not just like oh this was built here and this is or and like when and this is who lived there but it's like a narrative about it mm -hmm. it's a little story so like how do you go from finding a building permit or whatever to like being able to kind of you know imbue like a little bit of humanity onto like this old building yeah i mean i just i just kind of write what interests me <laughs> honestly okay. um and i think the more personal like everyday story um i think it kind of connects more with people you know it's not like some rich beer baron you know who had tons of money it's like you can look at this person it's like oh you know they, they lost their dog you know, just kind of finding those everyday personal stories that make the house more real and, and you can connect to it more. Um, I wanted to show you this house. You know, I've been like kind of dogging on preservation, but um, mm -hmm. um, this is an old house a friend of mine purchased, Emma, and it's a massive house. It used to be a fraternity house. And she recently, well, she didn't recently purchase it. She's had it for a handful of years. But, you know, it was important to her. She wanted to find an old house to fix up here in Omaha. So she bought it, and she's living in the in the carriage house in back and fixing that up while fixing this up. Um, and uh, from what I understand, I shouldn't speak for Emma, but, uh, you know, it's something that she's going to live in, but it's also going to be... 
um, housing as well where other people can live. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you do have those stories of people trying to do good preservation work here at the grassroots level. People like Emma, you know, another friend of mine, Quentin, in his place that he owns over in Hanscom Park, you know. Mm-hmm. It's something he's been working on for a long time because having a historic building and retaining that historic building in a historic neighborhood is important to him. It almost feels a little disrespectful to the people who put so much in. And because, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's it was hard for people back in the day to come out here and to, like, do all that stuff and to really take a chance. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's why. Now I'm kind of, like, having a philosophical moment. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, Glad I could do that. <laughs> yeah. Is there any anywhere else that you want to oh, yeah. spotlight? Or? I, I want to show you a place that kind of blew my mind when I started researching into it. So... This is a brick church. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a church here on site, a frame church, and in the tornado of 1913, it got wiped out because the tornado came through here. So the congregation got together and they started raising funds, and they were like, okay, we're going to build a brick church. So they got drawings together, um, they funded it enough to build the ground level, and if you look at the brickwork, it changes about from the first story up. Oh, yeah. Well, that's because they ran out of money. <laughs> and so they put a flat roof on it, and they still used it as a hall, um, as a church. But eventually, the congregation went over with the, uh, I believe it was a Dundee Presbyterian Church. And so they sold it. Who do they sell it to? The Ku Klux Klan. And it became their headquarters for 10 years. <laughs> and so... What? Yeah, and that just kind of blew my mind holy shit because i'm like wow that organization was so strong here that they could buy a building openly and and this would have been in like the 20s it was in the 20s yeah when that occurred holy shit and then that opened more doors because i started researching that and found out they owned a huge swath of property over what is now exarban and it was called uh clansdale and it's basically where they would hold their rallies and there's a, a Omaha World Herald article that talks about going to one of the rallies where they um, were, had a, a, you know, this is horrible, mm-hmm. but a cross that they burned, but also an electric cross that they lit with red light bulbs. Oh my God, what? And that they, yeah, and they handed out, you know, pamphlets and we're talking about, you know, all the horrible things that they talk about. Oh my God. And at some point it... I, you know, I don't know a whole lot about the history of the Klan, but it's just, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it doesn't completely fizzle out, but the organization wasn't as strong as it used to be in the 1920s, which is interesting because you look at Malcolm X and when he lived here, his parents lived here, um, I, I think for like maybe five years before he was born, and then he was born, and when you read his autobiography, he was born in the, in the um, mid-20s, late-20s, I believe. In his autobiography, he talks about his family being chased out of Omaha because the Ku Klux Klan gave him so many problems. Well, mm-hmm. that's kind of coincides when this became the headquarters for the KKK. Oh my God! And it's literally right here on the corner of Forty First and Far. I mean, not to you know, uh, <laughs> but, it's a, bad, but it's but a, it's part of the history of this city, and it's wow. a really shitty history to be it, frank exactly but it's part of the history that needs to be told you know wow and that we need to realize that you know we've been really shitty to people in the past but 
and they sold it. The church was completed. It was later used as a uh, Lutheran church, I believe. And so, you know, it's just like you have that. That's why history is so complicated. You know, it's shitty, it's good, and it's all wrapped into each other, like with a building like this, you know, so this building has like multiple stories to tell at a local, state, and national level. Like telling those stories um, that people don't think about, mm -hmm. um, you know, like the, the marker that was just put up for um, the lynching of Will Brown, you know, it's like bringing those painful histories to light just to be like, you know, this happened, and we should know this and learn from this. Thanks for listening to this episode of Reader Radio. This episode was produced by me, Chris Bowling, with music, as always, from John Ricks. You can find him at p0h underscore k dot bandcamp dot com. Thanks to Ryan Reed for driving me around town on his Subaru and for showing me all these cool spots. I really appreciate it. And thank you for listening to this week's episode. Uh, we'll have more for you soon, so stay tuned.